Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and today my guest is Emma Catanzaro, a senior from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. To practice appropriate social distancing, Emma and I are both connecting to chat today by Zoom, so if you notice a difference in the audio quality, that's why. And of course, the Puget Sound podcast is still recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington. Here's Emma. Emma, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hi, it's nice to be here. Very glad to have you. I want to kick things off by asking you just to um, situate yourself in the Puget Sound landscape a little bit for people listening. So where are you from? What are you studying? What are you up to on campus? What are sort of the things that um, give texture to your life here at Puget Sound? Sure. Um, Well, I'm a senior this year, so um, I will be graduating in May, and I am a theater arts and English double major, uh, and I am a minor in gender and queer studies, so I just completed my thesis this past fall. Um, And then I... Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was a lot of work. I did a lot of research, (laughs) and uh, it's really been been worth it so far, so I'm really glad I I worked on it. Um, And... And then I'm also a founding member of Delta 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 um, in Greek life on campus. So what that means is in 2017, when a couple of national representatives from uh, National Tri-Delta came to our campus, they said, hey, we want to start a chapter here and we need some people to found the chapter. And uh, I was really uh, anti-Greek life. Uh, I came in with this very polarizing view on it and... um, having a very specific view of gender and queer studies uh, and I knew I wanted to minor in it um, but since being a minor it has since opened my eyes in a lot of ways. Um, That being said I spoke with some of these people from the office and I was really intrigued by them and really intrigued by um, the stories that they had to tell and realized that they were actually very like me in a lot of ways and um, Mm And I just decided to decided to join on a whim. And now I'm a I'm a senior member. I'm still technically the vice president of member experience for the chapter. Um, I was one of the founding members, so I put in a, into place a lot of our uh, traditions and a lot of the things that we do pretty regularly as a chapter, which is really fun for me and really grateful for that um, opportunity. And um, I'm also a, uh, a tour guide for campus visits programs, as you know. Um, wow. This is actually my first and only year doing um, CVP stuff, being a tour guide. I've actually, I was a res life student leader for the last two years. And um, because I decided not to go with res life this year, I decided to live off campus. Um, I decided to try out uh, tour guides and it's been a lot of fun. And um, I've, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to get to know some of the students that have come through and uh, all that jazz. And um, I, I work at the library. I'm a work study student. I uh, work nights and uh, I'm also in a couple of honor societies. One of the things that I'm hearing is sort of a, a common thread, and if I'm about to mischaracterize you or your experience, tell me. Yeah. Um, but is I heard I just heard you mention a lot of things that have to do with sort of creating community, yeah, or characterizing community. You've yeah. founded a sorority. You um, have been a student leader in residence life. I think as a tour guide, there's actually a, a, maybe in a less sustained way, but a lot of responsibility towards. 
representing and communicating what those groups are like. Sure. Does that feel like a fair thing to say? And does yeah. that feel true to you in terms of what you get out of those commitments? I completely, I, yes, I think it is <laughs> the case because there's, so one of the, I'm a theater major and one of the core tenets of Puget Sound's theater department anyway is collaboration and this idea of how can you work together as a community to create and to um, build this beautiful, beautiful piece of art. And that's sort of the modus operandi, if you will, that I went into all of my sort of communities with, right? You know, I want to build and create with you. I don't want to be, yes, I'm a leader, but I don't want to be necessarily the only person in charge. I want all of us to be in charge. So how can we all come together and work in different ways to work towards a common goal? And that's sort of like what I found in each of the communities that I've built and been part of and been able to help build. Um, And that's something that one, I think, is super integral to the Puget Sound experience is the sense of finding and building community. But two, is also really important to the individual experience at Puget Sound because it really helps you sort of create this nice structure for yourself, if that makes sense. Sure. And I imagine, because this is true for me, that there is something really nice about having leadership positions without feeling like it is you in a lifeboat making decisions for other people, but instead understanding them as I'm creating these opportunities for other people to participate and get to know each other and be a part of, of my community. Exactly. Exactly. That's sort of like, that's exactly what I wanted from a sorority experience Mm. was I wanted to have this opportunity to meet women and get to know them and allow them to see the world that I had built for myself mm. and allow them mm. to see the person that I had become and the person that I I have become as a result of associating myself with with like-minded people but also with people who are very very different from me you know mm. a sisterhood if you will and right. so because that's the thing about and and, and I'm an only child, so I can only speak so far as like my own research and my own experience has gone. But that's what I feel like a sibling relationship is. Is you know you're you're very similar in a lot of ways. You have these similarities, these things that bring you together, but you're also extremely, extremely different. And that's like something that at least I've found solace in in my experience as a sorority woman, but also in my experience as a res life student leader. Like yes, I almost exclusively worked with. Um, upper division students but Mm. I also was able to within their sort of like and I'm 20 years old now I don't want to have my hand held kind of way right I have my own life already precisely uh within that like I was able to create and collaborate and work with them and not for them if that makes sense Right, which I think is a perfect way of encapsulating um, two things, not just like my ideals of leadership, but also I think there's something very Pacific Northwest about that and about the idea that like the way that you do leadership is sort of bringing other people into an experience rather than telling people what to do. Right. No, I completely, I completely agree with that sentiment. The idea of a Pacific Northwest uh, kind of mode of doing things Mm -hmm. 
um, I want to go with you and I want to experience this with you alongside you. I don't want to experience it for you or force you to experience it a certain way. I, um, I want to have my experience and I want to have, I want you to have your experience and I want us to have our experiences together. And that's something that is definitely very poignant for me in terms of theater, right? You know, you go and you see a show and you see these people performing on the stage, but you can only have your individual experience. You can only have your individual interpretation of the work. And because of that, you know, I'm going with a friend, I'm going with my partner to see this show I will have my experience, they will have theirs. And together we can create and cultivate an experience of our own as well. And that's something that I've wanted for myself and other people throughout all of the experiences that I've had in college. Did you enter college knowing you would be a theater major or intending to be a theater major? I actually entered college not intending to be a theater major. I had done theater for four years in high school, did band in middle school, theater for four years in high school, and was like, okay, this is just a hobby. <laughs> it's just a hobby. This is only something that I'm going to do. I was I was only planning on doing student theater. Um, and I ended up taking one, my, my freshman spring seminar, was with Jeff Prohl and it was Dionysus in the art of theater and um, it's no wonder that that man is my mentor now because he the way he taught that class the way he understands theater and the way he understands that art is just it was very poignant and it spoke to me and I was like wow this is learning about something that I love on an entirely different level this is so new and exciting and you know, the classes that I was taking in theater were almost exclusively acting based. They were almost exclusively like, okay, why do you move here? You need to have an intention for it. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Say these things this way, that kind of thing. Whereas in college and at Puget Sound, I've I've seen that it's much more about how can we show the love? How can we create this experience for both ourselves and find something new in it every single time you do it, uh, but also find something new for the audience to latch on to, right? Um, and that was that was wild to me. That was a brand new experience. And I was like, I want to explore more. I want to be greedy and soak up as much of this knowledge as I possibly can. And so um, I took that one class and I was like, well, I'm done for, I guess. And so I decided to just make double major in English and theater. I came into college knowing I wanted to be an English major, but thought I would only do theater as a hobby and here we are four years later theater is my primary major I do more theater stuff than I do English stuff and um, English has actually given me the analysis and um, research skills that I need to be able to be a dramaturg which is technically what I want to do when I graduate which is just essentially theatrical research I want to be a theatrical researcher and and be able to work on productions and work with new playwrights and new plays and say, okay, why is this important? Why is this important now? And be able to look further into that. And that's something that Jeff taught me to do, which is something that I'm so, so grateful for because I didn't learn any of that in high school. I had a very different kind of education than the one I received at Puget Sound. And I'm so grateful for it because I don't know that I would have been able to find the love that I have for theater now. Like I wanted to be an English teacher. I wanted to teach high school English. Mm-hmm. And now we are here a completely different world away. 
wanting to do something entirely different. One of the things that I'm curious about in hearing you talk about how those two majors go together, or maybe just that's standing out to me, is that um, those are two fields that are really focused on capturing human experience, mm-hmm. but um, the the media and the methods in which you do it are so distinct, right? right. The experience of having a theatrical production that makes you cry and right. having a written work that makes you cry, even if it's a script that you're not seeing performed are so different mm-hmm. that I, I would love to hear you talk just a little bit about has it felt different to you? Because you just summed up very nicely the way in which they go together. Have you also noticed the places where they diverge? Oh, completely, 100%. A lot of my friends who are theater and English double majors, at least in the last two years, have also been creative writing emphases. So they were looking at theater and English from the perspective still of an artist, from the perspective of a creator, and looking at the ways in which uh, theater is created um, inherently from a playwright first, and then is created again and again and again on all of these different levels. Whereas with the way that my, me and actually my my friend and colleague Alex Jacobson is um, the way we are sort of looking at English is we're neither of us are creative writing emphases. I actually prefer analyzing British literature, Shakespeare, um, older texts in that regard. I'm actually, we're both actually in a, uh, uh, an old English, uh, history of the English language class right now. But for, for me anyway, looking at the way that we analyze texts, right? Looking at the way that we, we see that history, um, the way that Shakespeare's texts have changed and evolved and given us new kinds of theater and new kinds of uh, ways of thinking about theater and there's so much to that uh, and there's so much to uncover and dig through that and so you have to really analyze it in a in a from a literature standpoint and then analyze it from an artistic standpoint of how do I how do I get into this text how do I think the way this this uh, this character thought um, the way Shakespeare wanted me to think the way this character thought, you know, there's so many different layers to it and there's so much to be explored, um, in, in both, in both regards, right. In both the, the theatrical, the artistic regard, and also in the analysis regard, like, what does this mean? Why are we saying these things? Why are we talking about the things that we're talking about? Why is this important? And those are the things that are really important to me and, and, the way you can use them together, but also the way they can separate and the way that they can be their own individual things. Because I could talk for days, you know, I could talk for days about the artistic meaning in the text that was going to be my thesis. And I can also talk for days about a Shakespearean text and how this is the way Shakespeare meant for us to understand this, or this is the way I understand it and this is why it's important. And those are two different things. Hey there, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, Assistant Director of Admission and School of Music Admission Coordinator. I'm checking in to make sure you know about Puget Sound's conservatory-style School of Music. Puget Sound students can major or minor in music performance, music education, music business, and composition. Non-majors can take music classes, play in our ensembles, and even be eligible for scholarship. 
Visit pugetsound.edu slash music to find out more. But for now, back to the show. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? I'm going to have to say my favorite comedy is Mm -hmm. The Taming of the Shrew. And my favorite tragedy is King Lear. Uh, King Lear is actually what I wrote one of my senior seminar papers on last semester. So my English capstone paper was on uh, King Lear. And then my English capstone paper this semester, I think, is probably going to be on um, maybe some kind of history of pronouns. I haven't decided Hmm. yet. History of pronouns in the English language or in Mm -hmm. a specific type of... That's huge. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because pronouns evolve and change so frequently. And... Well, not even that frequently. They can't change frequently. So we've we learned recently that specific pieces of English grammar, words like pronouns, words like um, definitives, the, uh, that, uh, these, those, those kinds of words are she, her, his, are words that are kind of integral to a language and they can't change often or very frequently except in terms of you you can see in old old English that forms of the word she are uh hail you know and that's an old English form of the word she but the the word we use is that now is she and so like the history of those two words how did that word change but it still means the same thing right it's just the, the letters changed around and so there's this a few years back, I think like 2011, 2012, right when um, more and more transgender people were coming out and trying to use or were wanting to use alternative pronouns to he and her, uh, wanted a more gender neutral pronoun. They were trying to introduce words to the language like Z or here. And yes, those words still exist and people do still use those today, but they're not near as common as the gender neutral pronoun they. The reason for that is they existed previously in the English language as a plural pronoun as a or as a singular neuter neuter pronoun. And so it's so much easier for a language to just take on a word that already exists and Mm -hmm. mold it to the way that they need it to be used as opposed to introducing an entirely new word. Introducing an entirely new word for a concept that we already have is extremely difficult for brains to comprehend. And I think that's so interesting and I want to learn more about it. Well, and part of what's so interesting about that in listening to you talk and especially the way you framed it, saying that those words are um, really keystones in the English language is that we introduce new nouns all the time. Right. To your point about if something's a new concept, I mean, iPhone, Mm -hmm. right, is new i'm trying to think of another good example from the recent past well we we have so many words that relate to texting and words relating right. to phone, emoji right emoji that's not a word that existed uh right 20 30 some years ago or maybe it did 10 10 right you yeah. know and then but there are words like texting we've had texting as a word since the early 2000s right but again that's a word that didn't exist in the context that it was being used until that time. Now, granted, texting as sort of like a, uh, I guess, a kind of wordsmithing kind of 
old, old context of the word, there's a different definition associated with it. But in terms of our modern understanding of the word, that word exists solely in the context of I am sending an instant message or a text message to my friend. I am texting them. And these mm -hmm. verbs are then created outside of that as well. Right. Words die, right? Words lose meaning. They're used too frequently or they're not used enough. And so words actually disappear from our language and you can see that. But the words that never disappear are those articles, are those definitives, are those pronouns, those things that we use to identify people, things, places, um, and are able to, and, and those are like the most primitive forms of language, right? That, and you can point at the thing that you want. Those, and you can gesture. Me, I, you, right? right? And so those are all words that are very primitive, very existed from a very early on time in our history. And so it's so fascinating to see how pronouns develop and then how other words develop alongside those pronouns yeah or around them or maybe, around that language exactly, develops yeah. around them but I've never thought about this before but it's so interesting isn't that I love it it's yeah. so fascinating to me yeah I want to make sure that we don't wrap up before I ask you about something completely different sure which is you're from North Carolina unfortunately <laughs> North Carolina is a long way away from the Pacific Northwest <laughs> I know where you're we, going with this. What, how, why and how did you end up here? Um, well, it was an accident and a whim. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was an accident and a whim. I, um, so my junior year of high school, I kind of decided that I wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest and I wanted to be on the West Coast because I had been, like I said, I wanted to be an English teacher. I wanted to teach high school level English. Mm -hmm. And... Um, because of that, I had been looking at the wrong degree. I thought I needed to get a degree in education and then focus in English. It's actually the other way around. You need a degree in English and a master's in the art of teaching, teaching certification. And um, so I was like, I can go wherever I want to get an English degree. Like I don't have to stay in North Carolina or stay on the East Coast to do that. Like I can go wherever I want. And I fixated on the Pacific Northwest. This was like the ideal place for me to go, the place I I've always wanted to be. And um, I found Reed College in Portland. And I mm -hmm. found college. I really wanted to go to Reed College. I, I, I even applied early decision to Reed College. And um, I didn't get in didn't get in and I was devastated for about four days. Um, my mom really took care of me. I'm really grateful for, for that. And it was right around Christmas too, that I had just found out. So I was like devastated. And then it occurred to me that regular decision one was rapidly approaching and I did not want to apply regular decision two because I didn't want to wait that I'm a very impatient person. I didn't want to wait <laughs> for, um, my college decisions to come in the mail so while we were at my grandparents house that winter the winter of my senior year I applied to nine schools in three days holy smokes I wrote because I didn't want to apply to this university with my SAT ACT scores I don't I don't test well um I am a writer by trade anyway I wrote like five, six essays to get into this school just because I also applied to the honors program. Mm -hmm. So I wrote so many essays for this school and then I wrote a bunch of essays for the 
eight other schools I applied to. Um, but I had just researched like small private liberal arts schools, Pacific Northwest. And I found ones that had programs that I liked, programs that I that had classes that I could take. I did, I spent one day on research. I spent the next day on like the application if schools had specific applications. And <laughs> I spent the third day on all of my essays. And I didn't speak to any of my family for those three days. And they were very <laughs> mad at me because it was right after Christmas and they wanted to spend time with me. And I was like, no, shut <laughs> up. I need to do this. Leave me alone. Um, and so I, uh, I wrote all of these essays, I wrote all of these uh, applications, submitted them, submitted the fees and everything. And um, when I, I didn't get in to like seven of the schools and one of the schools was um, traditionally, uh, it was a traditionally Christian institution of a specific uh, denomination. And I wasn't really interested in going to an, a religious institution and Puget Sound had offered me admission and I had not been, you know, we had only had enough money to go visit um, Portland State University and read. We didn't have enough money to go to Washington. And so I didn't visit. I didn't talk to any of the counselors. I didn't do any of sort of the like traditional um, admission stuff. I didn't, I couldn't go to any of the meetups for the class of 2020 because there simply weren't any nearby where I was. And so I was like the whole summer, I was just like, okay, packing up my room because my mom was leaving. She was moving to a different, a new apartment. And I was like, packing up my room. I was like, okay, bye room. And I was like, bye house, <laughs> bye North Carolina. And then I moved to Tacoma. And uh, in all honesty, this has been the best decision that I've ever made for myself. This is the place that I need to be, the place that I should be. And um, I fully intend on staying here as long as I can after graduation, depending on where theater takes me, where um, the jobs are. But I want to stay in this area. I love Washington. I think it's beautiful here. And this is the, this is the best place for me to be. Um, I, I'm the best version of myself at, when I'm here. And so this is where I should be. wrap up every episode by um, asking everybody the same four questions. Sure. The first question is, what's your favorite place on campus? I would have to say the table in the theater office on the first floor of Jones, the checkoff table. Awesome. What are you reading right now? Uh, right now I'm reading The Meaning of, of Night. I forget the name of the author, but it's this weird, like, fake fiction, historical fiction novel. It's very cool. What's the best place to eat in Tacoma? Um, ooh. I would have to say Gateway to India on 6th Ave. It's a, Good it's a pick. fan favorite. <laughs> uh, and lastly, why is Puget Sound special? I think Puget Sound special because of the communities here. Um, the fact that everyone's constantly creating community, everyone's finding, wanting a community, and there's that sense of discovery that comes with that. And everybody's just wanting to learn constantly. And I think that that's beautiful and wanting to learn together too. Emma Catanzaro, thanks for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Elena. Mm -hmm.
interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast.